0: Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here going solo today and I'm breaking down the Knicks 129-123 to overtime loss to the Lakers. Why? I don't really think the score tells a great story of just how close or not close this game was. How late game execution doomed the Knicks, but also Jalen Brunson had a fantastic game. Emmanuel quickly did as well and R.J. Barrett sits down the stretch. Lots to talk about next on Locked On Knicks. You are locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Without a the yes. huff, huff left. Now and Anthony for three. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. And I am Alex Wolf, I'm editor in chief of Nick Sight, The Strickland, which you can find at the strict.land. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Nicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. I appreciate you guys making us a part of your daily routine. And if you really like Locked On Nicks, be sure to hit the subscribe bell and the note or the subscribe button and the notification bell on YouTube, or the subscribe button on your favorite podcast provider and set episodes to auto-download so you never miss one. But uh Lots of stuff to get into though. I'm this might not be my longest show ever. I don't know. This was not a particularly compelling game to talk about. Uh, but the Knicks lose 129 to 123 to the Lakers in overtime. And I honestly, my takeaway from this was the Knicks just didn't play that well. Like the Lakers are where they are this season for a reason. Like they, I mean, yes, they've had some some injuries and stuff at various times, but they just haven't played very well. I mean, they haven't played very well for the last like 2 years, 3 years even. You know, it's it's not a new thing that the Lakers are are struggling some. Uh and yet I just felt like they pretty much outplayed the Knicks almost this entire game except for maybe a stretch in the second quarter. Uh you know, they they sort of had the Knicks offense figured out in many ways. They had ways figured out to to stop Julius Randle, which I'll get to in a second. I guess if I want to start positive, though, I can start on one guy that they didn't really have figured out, and that's Jalen Brunson. Uh, Brunson really set the tone against, you know, obviously LeBron right now, very close to becoming the all-time leading scorer in the NBA, which is a super impressive record. And, you know, he displayed some of that during this game, uh, why he's, you know, one of the best to ever play the game. And Brunson still took the challenge and went out there and and honestly was like, the main reason that the Knicks were not completely out of this game, uh, partway through the first quarter because they really struggled to open things up. And then Brunson kind of came in and well, didn't come in, but you know, he he was in the game and, and managed to figure things out and and score some points for the Knicks. Uh 37 points, six assists. He shot 13 of 29. I I really thought he was in attack mode all game and like the threes weren't falling for him. Uh, I actually didn't write it down because I felt because I was like, "Oh, that was ugly." But I think he was two of seven, uh, which is not great. But other than that, he really had it going from pretty much everywhere else on the floor. Um, you know, he was attacking, kicking out to shooters, and that seemed to be a vulnerability that was able to be exploited on the Lakers. Like I'll say this much: I think that they really had Randall. Figured out in his style of play, and they knew like, okay, if we can just aggressively trap him, things are going to work out well for us because he's not going to be able to make a quick enough decision to get it out to the perimeter to feed somebody to get either a shot or to get you know a swing, swing, swing chain going, you know, whatever the case may be. It, they kind of had Randall figured out Brunson. You know, if you if you look at the the Lakers depth chart, their strength is not in their guards, and so it was smart to have Brunson attacking them in that way and and smart on brunson's behalf to keep attacking that way same with emmanuel quickly who i'll talk about in a little bit but you know it was it was good game game plan good strategy to kind of run things through brunson rather than randall at times of this game although i think that they unfortunately went away from that later in the game but you know running that strategy with brunson was was what kept the knicks in this game uh he also had great defensive tenacity and and was great at drawing offensive fouls again in this game. I I thought he probably should have drawn like six charges in this game, but a number of them went uncalled. One that he was particularly heated about was uh, when the Lakers were on offense, he ran down the floor and uh, got in front of LeBron, who didn't have the ball at the time, but LeBron basically like shoulder tackled him. Uh, and then I think if I remember correctly, no, he didn't end up with the ball on that one. He like shoulder tackled him under the hoop and Brunson fell down and was like, Looked like you almost got hurt, and then Brunson was like saying to the ref, "Like, where's the foul there?" And then one of the Lakers, I forget who, made a three off that possession, but kind of took a couple players out of the game because Randall was kind of with LeBron on that play too when he like shoulder tackled Brunson, and they both kind of got distracted. And then uh, Grimes was able to contest the three, but it still, you know, was kind of a broken possession by the fact that the refs just—I don't even think we're looking what was happening under the hoop. And I think that was what Brunson was saying to the ref, like, look like watch the action, like see what's going on down here because there's just no call on that. But otherwise a great, you know, a great, great game for him drawing charges, you know, some that really swung momentum and he was playing passing lanes really well too, which I, I found to be great during the the next best stretch of the game, which I'll talk about in a minute. But unfortunately I have to now talk about the worst things of the game because obviously they lost and, more things went bad than went good in this game. Uh, So that's kind of got to be the story here. So I thought especially the main thing was the end of game execution left lots to be desired. And look, like the Knicks played a bad game and yet they were still in position to win it on the final shot, which I think says a lot about where the Knicks are right now against a team, again, like the Lakers that has a lot of talented players but just hasn't really figured things out. Like the fact the Knicks were able to, and get back into it and you know, get to the point of being tied and have a chance to win the game on the last shot says a lot about them. However, that final possession was just awful. I mean, it was just the, the latest example of Tibbs not really having anything to draw up other than just like, let me get it to whichever player I feel like deserves getting it tonight and just let them do their thing for four seconds. And if they don't get a shot up, so be it. We'll just go to overtime. When that especially doesn't work when you have players with super dead legs. That you've been playing for like the whole fourth quarter uh and that you know are clearly gassed at that point uh it just it doesn't work super well in that respect but so Randall gets the ball at the end of the game with about four seconds left uh I think it was like 3.8 on the clock or something he gets doubled and the, the Lakers knew exactly what to do I mean he had Anthony Davis on him start LeBron comes over does a hard double and Randall, since there was so little time didn't look to to move the ball at all and then just attempts to kind of put it on the floor and get in and get a shot off and couldn't even get a shot off it was just kind of a really poor end of game execution there Uh, I think probably would have been a lot better to give it to Brunson in that scenario I mean Brunson was the one that was able to exploit the guards on the Lakers all game and even if he didn't shoot his best down the stretch because again at you know, I talked about this a few shows ago. I think he's getting pre-All-Star dead legs a little bit. But, you know, even if he wasn't having his best game still, just give it to him and let him let him attack and let him see if he can find a shooter. You know, that like, I think that if you could have gotten the ball to Brunson while he's already moving, you know, worked out something where he takes like a double screen, grabs the ball, you know, from the inbound, and then starts, you know, moving already, even if he gets mad at the rim or whatever, he could very quickly kick it at someone who could have about a second to shoot it. And I think that would have been a much better option than what ended up happening, which was just like here, Julius figured out in four seconds. And of course he didn't. Um, Cause it's just, it's not Julius's strength. I think to take a final shot like that. Like, I think that's why you bring in a guy like Brunson or honestly, RJ Barrett has in the past shown to be pretty adept at taking late game shots that, swing the game and he wasn't playing but i'll get to that especially in a minute uh but yeah just i don't know i didn't understand the decision to not go to brunson and then the team was just really dead in the water and in, in overtime you know the lakers i think kind of found their second wind and they just they were attacking randall and hardenstein you know which of course means they were going to their two best players and lebron and anthony davis a lot but you know they they knew the jig at that point like randall and hardenstein looked dead hardenstein had five fouls and so it was playing kind of tentative as a result because the Knicks just didn't really have any other option at center that they could throw out there because Jericho Sims just didn't have a a fantastic game and you kind of just ran into this perfect storm where like Julius was kind of letting go of the rope a little and was and was clearly tired Hartenstein was clearly tired and also was in foul trouble and it, they just got exploited over and over and over time and that led to the Lakers winning the game um and then it, you know I I also just think a lot of the offense and overtime was similar to the end of the fourth. There was just too much feeding Randall and letting him ISO and the Lakers just kept doing basically the same thing. They were like throwing doubles at him and throwing extra attention at him and he was kind of panicking and then it just wasn't leading to good passes and wasn't leading to good possessions. So I, I wish that there could have been something a little more creative going on. There was like one really nice possession somewhat early in overtime, which was again similar to what I would have liked to see at the end of the game where Brunson attacked, kicks it to Grimes in the corner who kicked it to Emmanuel quickly, who then drove and had a nice little floater uh, to score some points quickly at a a fantastic overtime and was really a, you know, a a key part of the Knicks having any chance once things went to overtime. So that's, I don't know, I guess something to, to monitor, although we know that, things probably aren't going to change as far as late game execution for the Knicks, unfortunately. So uh, luckily they often play a lot better in the first three and three quarters quarters than they did uh, in this game and can, you know, usually put themselves in a better position to win by the end of the game and not have to be quite so spent. But, Anyway, uh, I got to quickly. Well, so I am going to get into Emmanuel quickly, who I just mentioned a second ago, and some other little positives that I took away from this game, including Isaiah Hardenstein and some of the things early in the game. But first, I do have to remind you all that today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. And this year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel America's number one sports book. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because there's a num- they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features to make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on anything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. And, it, you know, I love same-game parlays. I'm going to be going crazy with those uh, Mahomes versus Hurts. It's going to be, I think, a shootout on offense, although both teams have pretty formidable defenses as well. But something tells me it's just going to be one of those run-and-gun Super Bowls. Lots of potential same-game parlay uh, picks to go with there. So that's going to be my move. Uh, The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. If you haven't heard about it yet, you you can check out uh, uh, some commercials on TV. Uh, But, yeah, you get your winnings instantly. It's super nice. Uh, And I've been using the FanDuel app for forever, honestly, even when we were uh, promoting other sportsbooks on here. I was... Still using the Fanduel app, which I can now admit openly—it's—it's it's easily the best app out there. So join Fanduel today at fanduel.com/slash locked on to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl Fifty Seven. That's fanduel.com/slash locked on. Make every moment more with Fanduel, official sp- sportsbook partner of the NFL and of Locked On. All right, and I'm back to talk more about this game. And look, let's try to start po- Well, Actually, no, let's keep this whole segment positive. This uh, sort of. Interesting, weird, negative. Um, at, to end the show with RJ Barrett, that'll be the final bit here. But uh, some positives to talk about. I think for one, the Knicks had a real hard time making shots early, uh, but they did take that punch to their credit. I think they got down ten like within the first like five minutes. Uh, so that you know, never way you want to start a game, and yet they took that punch. They got back in the game. They even got an eight-point lead in the second quarter, which was easily their best quarter that they played. I mean, they were just really getting after it on defense. I love when the Knicks just switch into, like, ball hawk mode where they're just like, we're going to play every single passing lane, and they did that to great effect, and were able to get out on breaks and create points that way. Quentin Grimes had an absolutely amazing uh, transition finish at one point. Uh, He also made some really great passes during that stretch, which is becoming the norm for him, but uh, had like this, I believe this one was during the second quarter. If, if, it, if it was later, then I'm mistaken, but I think it was second quarter, just had this crazy pass. So, like I couldn't even figure out how it worked. He like, like in real time, I guess I thought he, it looked like he was driving across the lane and was going to kick to the corner, but then he just sort of like lobbed it like behind him, like over his shoulder to Hardenstein, who finished it. A really cool play and a really great uh, look by Grimes. He continues to just kind of, especially when he's attacking, just have these, these really great looks and usually wraparounds or no looks to centers that are just some of the best that you see on the entire team. Maybe the best. I mean, he might be the best player at, at, at passing it to a center while he's attacking the hoop like that. He's just fantastic at finding those looks. So great for him. Um, You know, I I just think that second quarter was was like Knicks basketball at its best. You know, offensive and defensive execution was clicking. They weren't letting the ball stick on offense too much. They were running in transition, and of course, they were playing you know tough and uh, disruptive defense, which is what you got to do. So, I really enjoyed that second quarter. A big guy uh, throughout the entire game and and during that second quarter run that was so good was Emmanuel Quickly. Who was amazing as usual. He ends up with 19 points, eight assists, six of 12 shooting. He was honestly the only guy that was really able to do anything during overtime. First off, Uh, he seemed like the only one that didn't have dead legs that, you know, he was still able to attack was still making buckets was still making things happen, rebounding the ball and on defense. Um, So credit to him for his conditioning, I guess in that case. Uh, But I thought that he was one of the only guys that was kind of keeping things going at that point. And one thing that's really stood out to me lately with IQ is just how good he and Brunson are working together. I think there's uh, something to that in the sense that they both came up in similar development environments, where they both are on the you know on the roster sheet they're point guards, but both of them came up in situations where they were playing off of another ball dominant player, whether it's quickly in 2020 to 21 with Randall. Brunson his whole time with Luca to where I think they both just work really well together now. Like I love that when they're both on the floor, like IQ is for one thing, giving that defensive intensity that you need from the two guard spot when, you know, Brunson plays with intensity on defense, but just lacks some of the physical attributes to be really great at defense. And IQ just kind of makes up for a lot of that. But then on top of that, on offense, they both, you know, neither of them ever feel like they don't know, where they're supposed to be if they don't have the ball in their hands. Which, if you look across across the you know the the court on this one, Russell Westbrook dealt with that for a long time and still is dealing with that. Where he was so used to having the ball in his hands every single play that once he had that taken out of his hands and was moved to more of a role player role, uh, he didn't really know what to do. <laughs> and that started all the way back in Houston, where you know they just had to start finding weird ways to get him involved. Uh, because he just didn't have much utility unless he was handling the ball. And that's never the case with Quickly and Brunson because because of the fact that they both had to play off-ball early in their careers, they both know exactly where to be. They know how to free themselves up for three-pointers. They never stop moving and just like stand in the corner or something. Um, so I, I've been loving their dynamic lately. I also really liked Isaiah Hartenstein's play in this game. I thought he had a good game overall. I don't think he was good in OT, I think that a lot of that has to do with the fact that he was one tired because the guy's a bench player. He's not used to playing this many minutes. And, you know, look, that shouldn't be an excuse, but it, it's it's the real deal. You know, every player in the NBA should be ready to play that many minutes. But the reality is you're, you're not. You know, you're not ready to necessarily be throwing out, you know, 35, 38, however many minutes he ended up with in this game. Um, but he, he also was in foul trouble, which I alluded to earlier. And, I think that led to him being more tentative in overtime, which in turn, you know, obviously the, the Lakers' two best players are bigs or like big guys. LeBron maybe isn't considered a third of big, he's definitely more of a wing, but, you know, two big guys that like to get inside and, and do their damage that way. And, you know, if you have your center who's playing tentative with five fouls, it's going to make it a little difficult to, you know, really. Challenge those guys inside, and and overtime games are often kind of won in the trenches in those small moments. So, whatever. But anyway, I do want to talk about the positives. with Hardenstein, he had 16 points and 13 rebounds. I really thought he did the work on the glass that the Knicks needed. Again, against a really good front line, like the Lakers have Thomas Bryant coming off the bench, who's having a fantastic season. uh You know, so it's it, it's pretty good stuff to you know have Hardenstein out there doing well against Thomas Bryan, against Anthony Davis against LeBron against you know uh Hachimura you know like you name it they had you know some guys out there that could really you know hurt you on the glass and uh Hardenstein did the did the job as far as you know making sure to to corral as many rebounds as he had to um you know and and just in general I think played a pretty decent defensive game you know about as good as you can expect from him so I enjoyed that from him um I do still think the Knicks Desperately need Mitchell Robinson back, though. I think Hardenstein was forced to play super tentative in overtime, uh, which I said, you know, and that can't happen in those late-game situations. So having a Mitch back and having another center that Tibbs can finally trust back will be clutch. Uh, Or if the Knicks can just, like, trade for someone, trade for a warm body that can do a little more than Jericho Sims can do right now, uh, because he just honestly has not been has not really been up to par as the the starting center. I I think that would be helpful because they're in desperate need of another, like, trusted body at the center position right now. Uh, But anyway, I'm going to quickly take my final break and come back and discuss sort of the elephant in the room here, which is R.J. Barrett not playing down the stretch of this game and maybe being a little mad about it. Uh, But so before that, I just got to remind you guys, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. And if you're looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and calories you got to try a built bar uh where the holidays are kind of in the rearview mirror it's february now but hopefully you guys are still sticking with your new year's resolutions and and you know still trying to get in shape or whatever or whatever it is that you wanted to do or just eat healthier and built bar can be a huge huge help there but what's crazy is you won't feel like you're eating something diet because they taste so good and the reason is because they're all covered in 100 real chocolate and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and my personal favorite, coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but the bars are it really taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. Uh, they only have 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar, but you get a whopping 17 grams of protein with every Bilt Bar to help you recover from a workout or just get you through the day. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box for years. We've been talking about ordering your Bilt Bars at Bilt.com. But now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with their Hit Flavors brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. All right. And back to finish discussing this game. Uh, Probably going to be a pretty brief final segment, but... A little uh, drama in this game. And and sort of lately, uh, RJ Barrett doesn't close this game. And RJ doesn't even eclipse 30 minutes in this game, which makes it all the more striking. Um, he also apparently did not speak to reporters after the game, which is not something he normally does. Uh, that That's, you know, if it was anyone else, I might be like, oh, you know, it happens. But RJ very much does not shy away from the media availability and is often one of the guys that kind of takes the the you know, like bites the bullet, I guess for the Knicks and, you know, goes up there and talks regardless of what happened in the game. Seems like, I don't know, at least based off that, maybe he's not feeling super great uh, about things at the moment. And you know, I, I, I can understand where he might be coming from. I can also understand that some of the other players have been playing better than him down the stretch at times, like especially quickly, like quickly is obviously the guy that's kind of taken his spot down the stretches of games because the rest of the guys that have been in, well, other than like Hardenstein, who's sort of the de facto starter, but uh, at the, at this particular moment, but like, other than that, uh, of starters being displaced, like RJ is a pretty big one being displaced and not playing late in games lately. And Emmanuel quickly is sort of the guy that has taken his spot and quickly has been playing fantastic, but like, I don't know. So I kind of get where he's coming from, but I also, I kind of like, I, I get where Tibbs is coming from, I guess, but I also get where RJ is coming from in this scenario, because he had 13 points in this game. He shot five at 13. I did not think he had a great first half, but he was kind of starting to figure things out in the fourth quarter. Like he was, I believe three of three in the fourth quarter. Like he was clearly starting to cook a little bit. And then, Tibbs. It seemed like it already kind of predetermined, like, oh, RJ's not going to close this game, regardless of what happens, and got you know that closing lineup in there, which was Brunson, quickly, Grimes, Randall, and Hartstein. And then even when the game hit overtime and it seemed clear that everybody was pretty tired, there still was no shot of getting RJ in there, which is even more bizarre to me. I mean, I I understand a lot of teams will just play their last five guys that ended the game for the entirety of overtime because it's only like an extra five minute period. But like it it would be a pretty game busting strategy to be like, oh, (laughs) we have a guy who's pretty capable that can go in there and spell somebody for even just a few minutes. And then if you still want to close with that same lineup, maybe you say, okay, you know, we'll throw RJ out there instead of Julius for a minute or said Grimes for a minute, whatever, like let him you know, absorb some of that that scoring brunt for a minute and see if he can continue staying hot, you know, after he was hot to to or start the fourth quarter. And yet Tibbs didn't do that. Um and instead just kind of left those guys out there to continue getting tired and eventually, you know, not be able to score in overtime because they just looked like they all had dead legs. Um I don't know. It, it boggles the mind a little bit he also i mean i don't think that rj was fantastic on defense either and he hasn't been lately and you know that combined with if he's going to shoot like 35 38 whatever overall from the field obviously that's going to make it so he's not super valuable uh, on the court because like what are you really offering at that point if you're not scoring and you're not playing the best defense but i don't think that anyone on the on the knicks especially in like the overtime and late fourth was really playing great defense anyway. Um, The Knicks probably should have just lost this game in regulation because LeBron was like taking tons of open threes on the perimeter uh, late in the game and just didn't hit any of them. But if he had hit even one of those, this game's probably over. And so, I don't know. I I don't totally get not giving the guy that you just invested so much money in in the offseason shot, especially when... I mean, Tibbs is to the point now where it the, the rotation is too tight. You know, it. there is such a thing as too tight of a rotation, and he's found it. Like, this is sort of Tibbs being his worst possible self as far as, like, minutes management and whatever. Like, so this was an overtime game, so you're not looking at 48 minutes. You're looking at 53 minutes total. But you had Julius Randle with 43 minutes, Brunson with 44 minutes, Grimes with 40 minutes, Quickly with 38 and a half minutes, Hartenstein with 40 minutes. And then two players that played less than 10 minutes and Obi Toppin and Deuce McBride, Jericho Sims, who played 13 minutes, and RJ Barrett, who played 27 minutes. So even though you have, uh, you know, nine guys that touch the floor in this game, you're effectively, I mean, the, the amount that Toppin McBride and Sims played was so little that you're effectively running like a, a six-man rotation right now. Or even if you want to call it like six and a half, whatever, like it's there's just not a lot of rest for these guys. And we're starting to see it bear out down the stretch of some of these games where they just look completely destroyed. And you know, the Knicks are gonna have to take a look in the mirror and say, how how do we solve this problem? And the thing that I don't get is that you have a guy in RJ that can place in different positions. And on top of it, like if you're talking about late game scenarios, this guy just like a couple days ago, hit a really clutch shot for you in overtime against the Celtics and, you know, put you in a position to win that game. I I don't totally understand not not putting him on the floor at certain points down the stretch in this game. Uh, But I don't know. I guess we'll see how that develops because it does seem like after a number of games of this now, RJ is finally a little less than thrilled. So we'll have to see how that works out. But that's a story for another day for today uh this has been locked on nicks thank you all for listening i'll have uh i'll I'll have at least one more game recap this week and then uh, another episode for you guys still figuring out what that's going to be probably some trade deadline related that is of course right around the corner but until next time thank you all for listening and i'll talk to y'all soon peace out